Hey guys, welcome to Higher Points. Today, coming at you from the studio with uh, Nick Sowers and I, and we got another to the point to you, because once again, we didn't prep anybody, but we do have someone uh, coming up soon. We're going to have Ted back on, and we're going to do a uh, a uh, strictly um, 9-11 themed episode, which will be released. Close to that date, Close to 9-11. I'm not sure. I'm gonna, I, actually, let's look. <clears throat> I'm not sure when that comes. It'll um, be the Monday... Before or after nine eleven, just depends. Yeah, I uh, I forgot to even look and see when it was. So we're in August. So September eleventh is on a Monday. I'll be mm-hmm. damn. So we'll release it on that day, I guess. Yep. It's meant to be. That's, do, right. do, 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 do. That's the day that Nick and I get put on FBI watch list. <laughs> Dude, we're already there. <laughs> we're all, especially after the things that happened at this training that I was I was messing with an FBI agent giving him crap. Yeah. So I'm probably already on a watch list. No fly. No fly list. Yeah. Can't buy guns. Can't get on an aircraft. Just going to have to get our own airplanes. God love getting on those watch lists without the due process or anything. Due process of law. Because, mm-hmm. you know, analysts say that we're domestic terrorists. Yeah. Dang it. Just because we don't drink the whole Kool-Aid. So I'm a hemp farmer. <clears throat> Hippie farmer. You're, you're a drug dealer. Yeah. You deal in those illegal cannabinoids. <laughs> <laughs> so, what'd you have this week? Oh, it was uh, another. It's, I mean, it wasn't a bad week. It was hot again. But yeah, you guys were like out in the over a hundred, wasn't it? Like one hundred and seven one day or something like that. Not last week. <clears throat> Two weeks ago it was. No, well, you guys took that day off, didn't you? You guys were like mm-hmm. done at like noon, basically. Yeah, we stopped at noon. Figured get the guys out of the heat. And then we worked Friday half a day in the morning too, so it wasn't bad. So basically, just. Equaled out. I'll tell you what, that made that week really freaking long, though. <laughs> it just seemed like it took forever to get through those shorter days. Well, yeah, I I was gone, so I you know had that week off, week of vacation, and then that week of training. And I came back. You guys are making really good progress on that house out of Cottonwood Lake. You already got like shingled and everything, and yeah. Well, we didn't shingle it, but oh. another crew do that. Is that the guy from Kansas City or whatever? Mm-hmm. Did he have like other jobs, or just come down specifically for that? He came down for that, but he's going to do all the decking and roofs for our houses now. Cool. And he does. A, he's the one that's done the commercial roofing stuff for us. And he beats about anybody's bids around. Well, with any luck, I've got a meeting on Friday to hopefully get the fence and deck lead site sold. Yeah, <clears throat> a couple of guys that are wanting to break into that market, and they've got they they're his, I guess they're like a brother, brother-in-law combo. They do, one does HVAC, another one does like power washing and they're out of Inman. And, uh, and so I just, I posted on that, um, that Wichita like contractors or whatever, mm-hmm. I guess they're on it for some reason. Yeah. And I just basically posted, Hey, does anybody want fencing and decking leads is all I put. That was it just to see what I'd get. And he was like one of two people that responded. And I was like, well, hey, you know, that obviously shows that they're interested, you know, so yeah. worth at least worth my time of having a meeting with them. So we'll see whether they, they fit the bill or not, because like you've heard me say on the podcast before, I've learned the hard lesson of like, you, you got to show me that you're kind of like a businessman, you're business minded, business oriented. <clears throat> I'm not just going to give it to you and let you try it. And you have no idea what you're doing. Yeah. But they, I mean, he's got. Lots of like, he's got a good social media presence. Sounds, should, looks like he's busy with his power washing stuff. I don't know anything. He said his, his, uh, brother in law was a master HVAC 
I don't know what that means. You've got to, I mean, you, there's a journeyman and master's okay. license. Like the journeyman can't typically pull permits in cities. Your masters are the only ones that can. Okay. Cause that's what he said that he could pull permits is what mm-hmm. he said. Well, he can't. Uh, the master guy. I don't know if he could pull permits for deck stuff. No, no, no. But like eight for HVAC. Yeah. He can pull. Yeah. Because, because I was telling him, like, I'm like pretty much any service, like your, your power washing, you kind of want to stay away from power washing, like small, the, the people that they, like, for instance, if you're a contractor and I give you a lead that generates 20 K, mm-hmm. right? 500 bucks is no big deal, right? Yeah. Whereas you got those people that they're, you're generating a lead and that lead only pays 50 bucks. You know, that's, that's a whole bigger, you know, profit margin gap. Mm-hmm. So, um, you kind of have to really like, be careful, like who you're, who you what services, I guess you should, you're lead getting. Yeah. Now the HVAC on the other hand, cool, you know, or plumbing or something like that. Yeah, I don't like feel that. like you can do anything in HVAC for under 10 grand anymore. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of which, how are you at plumbing? Uh... Like, what type of plumbing? Like, well, so under Elijah's sink mm-hmm. is like the P trap is one of the metal. Like, is it galvanized? Is that what that is? Possibly. That's the, the shiny, the shiny metal steel yeah. shit. Um. Well, anyway, it's been plugged for a long time. I tried running some Drano down it, and that didn't work. So then I like kind of started to plunge it a little bit just to see, like, if I could break whatever it was loose. Well, then it started like leaking from it, and I was like. Mm. Because who knows how long it's been there. And that stuff, when it starts to rot, it'll just like crumble in your hand, you know? Mm-hmm. So, man, and I don't do plumbing. I just don't. That's the least favorite type. You need to tell him to quit washing his pubes down the drain. <laughs> Not in that bathroom. Oh, okay. that's, that's only a half bath. Okay. That's it, the bathroom that's in his room. It's just a, it's just a toilet and a sink. That's oh. it. So maybe, maybe in the main bathroom. <laughs> But um, he would be mortified if he knew that we were saying that. <laughs> but um, Sorry, Eli. Uh, sorry, not sorry, <laughs> is what Nate meant to say. Um, so anyway, I'm, I'm excited about that. This week, I got a bunch of different stuff coming up. I've got uh, a sexual assault training. One officer is going to do like the, the child sexual assault side of it, you know, because mm-hmm. they're, they're significantly different. The way you do the interviews and everything, like they're professionals because because children are impressionable, right? So they are. They're going to be like, want to try to give you the answer that you want or try to please you because you're an adult. <clears throat> so th- that you can't go into an interview with a child and say, you know, did Timmy touch you? Right. Like you can't say that. It's, it's suggestive. Yeah. Because they're going to base their answer on what they think it is that you want to hear. It's more like, where did they touch you? Or- no, it's actually a super open. They just say like, who lives in your house? You know, and they go through this and they ask like a bunch of really open ended questions. And then, like, let's say, well, and then one time while I was at the house, Timmy touched me. Well, he could be like, well, what do you mean? And he's like, well, he touched me in my private parts. So then they go over to, like, another diagram, and they, like, show me on this diagram, and it's, like, a, you know, female or male body. And it's, like, very vague. It's not, like, this, like, realistic drawing. Mm -hmm. Like, show me where. And, like, they'll hand the pen to the kid. So again, not suggestive, hand the pen to the kid and like, show me, put an X or whatever. And so they'll put like an X on like their privates or their breasts or whatever. Mm-hmm. So there's like this specific way to get that done. So he's going to cover, I digress, he's going to cover that side of it. And then um, I am going to cover the adult side of things. I had an interesting rape case. Um, I'm going to be really vague here. And an interesting rape case. And when I say interesting, people may think that that's kind of 
uh, a bad way of saying that. But the reason I say interesting is because it had a lot of hurdles for me to jump as an investigator. So to me, that's my bread and butter. It's what I do. Like, mm -hmm. you know, when it comes to this kind of stuff, I'm, I'm doing my best to make sure that I'm, I'm putting bad guys in jail. And so that that's why I say it was interesting. It was interesting from that perspective. Yeah. And it had a lot of interesting hurdles to jump. You know, there were some issues with the victim. Um, you know, there were some, you know, things that like credibility, you know, we really had to make sure what we were doing was the right thing. Um, you know, we had to get DNA search warrants or I had to get DNA search warrants. Um, lots of interviews, lots of interviews, lots of typing. And then of course the gentleman flees town because he knows the heat's on. And at which point we have to get a warrant and go find him. And we find him in freaking California. And, um, I actually heard the story the other day. Yeah. And, um, he didn't hear from me. Nope. And so then we extradite him back and get him prosecuted and, you know, get him, uh, and I'm pretty sure, I mean, this was like, <clears throat> this was, he's not like some violent multiple offender or anything. So I think pretty sure he got like intensive, like corrections or probation, like whatever word you want to put there, basically probation. But, it would have been one where he has to check in like every week and UA all the time. And like, if he were to get basically any new charge, like they send him to prison. Mm -hmm. I mean, it was, it's like, this is your, your last chance kind of thing to be out in society or else. Cause if he were to say, say he were to go back to California as an example and catch a charge there, even a minor one, like even like Kansas, a speeding ticket or something, uh, probably not a speeding ticket. But if it was a person misdemeanor, and I know California is different. They have like class A, B, C, D, E, F, G, whatever mm -hmm. stuff. Um, and, um, but if it were like what would be equivalent in Kansas to maybe like a class A misdemeanor or higher, then that could be pretty, pretty bad, pretty yeah. detrimental where they would then bring him back and he'd have to appear in front of a judge again and be re-sentenced essentially. And he could get his underlying sentence, which, I would assume for rape is anywhere from probably f three or four years to 10 years would probably be for a first time offense like that Yeah. without other criminal history. I mean, if he had other criminal history, cause so what they do is there's like a sentencing grid that kind of gives you an idea of where they're at. So there's like, like there's a, across the top are like a through J or K, something like that. And A is like your lowest, like you don't have a lot of criminal history. And then like K is like you have a ton of criminal history. And then on the left-hand side, there's like basically it's like if it's a this level misdemeanor, this level felony, whatever. Mm -hmm. And you match those two boxes up and that kind of gives you an area. Now, the judge can choose to depart from that. And they call that a departure. And give less or give more depending on the extenuating circumstances of the mm -hmm. case. So like for instance – how often if, does it happen where they give more? Very, very infrequent. Rare. Yeah. Yeah. Very infrequent. Unless you were like a teacher or a cop or a doctor mm. or somebody that used their profession. Take advantage of that yes, situation. Use their profession to take care of, to take advantage of someone's vulnerability. I guarantee, guarantee there's going to be a departure and you're going to get probably double, if not triple what you normally get. Yeah. Um, it is rightfully so <laughs> very frowned upon for professionals in our society to abuse their power. Like a politician. So, well, <laughs> unless you're a federal politician, then it's like, that's just the cost of doing business. Yeah. 
Um, but, uh, yeah. So anyway, that was me on a tangent as usual. <laughs> um, but then, so I'm doing the, uh, and then, and then there, you know, I've, I talk about, I'm basically doing this like it's, I decided there was no, like, we've never done anything like this before. So I was like, well, how do I do this? Like, everybody's going to think like, oh, I'm going to come in and Nick's going to tell me like, okay, you take the call and then you do this and then you do that and then you do this. All right. See you guys. Have a good day. You know? And I'm like, well, that's boring, right? Death by PowerPoint. Check boxes. Do this, do this, do this, do this. When I was like, well, why don't I do like a case study? Like take everything from this case, real facts, real pictures. Of course, I took the victim's name out of everything. So none of the other, even the law enforcement officers are not going to know. Now, suspect's name's in there because let's face it, suspect's name is now publicly available on, he's a, he's a, excuse me, he's a convicted felon. So you can find his name pretty much everywhere and what he did. And so, um, I was like, okay, so like there's crime scene photos in there. There's like the DNA results are in there. Um, I'm going to hand out copies of like the DNA search warrant because it's not something we do a lot of, Yeah, you know, we'll do search warrants for like houses and cars or phones, but when it comes to like bodily fluids or even like body cavity searches, I've never written a body cavity search before search warrant before. But like, it's not something we do very often. So the verbiage in there is interesting because typically what we're doing is we're saying, okay, this crime was committed because that's what a search warrant is. Yeah. This crime was committed. I believe that the evidence for these crimes is located at this location. So like one, two, three main, mm-hmm. which is a single story wooden structure on the south side of the residence, you know, whatever. And you describe the location. So, for instance, if you were to give that search warrant to another officer that's never been there before, they could read that and serve the warrant and know that they have the right house. Okay. And then you say, at that location, I believe this evidence exists. And so you have to write out, like, whatever you think it is. So mine, I had to change that of, like, okay, I believe rape and aggravated criminal sodomy occurred. And I believe it's located in, insert suspect's names, you know. And the, the place to be searched was suspect's name. You know, a blank male, you know, this height, this weight, this date of birth, this social security number with this, you know, Texas driver's license, Mm -hmm. you know, and, and then I believe this is like DNA, you know, buccal swab of suspect's oral cavity. And then, you know, had to have a judge sign that Yeah, because he, you know, initially was like, oh yeah, I'll give you a DNA sample. And then the further we progress in the interview, ah, never mind. I don't want to do that. <laughs> I was like, man, that tells me everything I need to know. Yeah. So, um, so we're going <laughs> to, gotcha. again, again, here we go. Digress again. So back to the original point of the story. Um, so we're going to do that. And then, uh, that se- sexual assault training. And then we're supposed to have a squad meeting Wednesday, but I don't think we're going to do that. Thursday, I have a haircut. Yay. That's fun, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, Friday is the meeting with a gentleman about, uh, lead gen site and i need to st- i still need to get that my truck an estimate done on my truck to have that topper replaced i kind of forgot to go by conklin last time yeah during my <clears> days <throat> off i shouldn't say i forgot i neglected i just wasn't feeling it and then somewhere in there i'm supposed to help at the church with Hol- some sound system stuff and that kind of thing and oh and then yeah the, load of chi- the wood, wood chips wood chips with your trailer by the way don't forget to take a look at that i'm pretty sure that's your if it's your like a solid, it's pretty big. Yeah, I think it's yours because I think it was like fifteen thousand pounds or something like that. Yeah, 
Yeah, my bad. No, it's all good. I didn't even mean to steal your stuff. I was wondering. I actually, so me and Dad both have a tri ball in our trucks. So like we don't use them, but Grandma doesn't. She got her truck back. I thought you were what? What? I thought you were buying it. Mm-mm. We were what going to. There? They didn't total it. Oh, they came back and looked at it again, and there wasn't enough damage to total. <clears throat> huh. So she got her truck fixed and got it back, huh? Yep. Is it a salvage title or is it? Mm-mm. How much did that cost? How much did they? Mm, I mean, it cost her five hundred her deductible. Well, right, but like, how much was there in damage? Like sixty five hundred. Oh, okay. Well, that wasn't bad. I mean, considering what I saw, I mean, I I, I thought for sure that thing was going to be totaled. Yeah. Hmm. Where where'd she have the work done at? McKenzie's here in town. Okay. <clears throat> Is that the one? Where, where's it at? Right across uh, the bridge going into South Hutch. It's in South Hutch, actually. Which bridge? Main. This one just down the street then? Yep. Why am I drawing? Go over oh, the bridge oh, oh, oh. The it's, it's there on the south side. That first business on the south I side? Think it's yeah, the that's one. right. It's yeah. a, like white. I think so. Yeah, okay. Um, yeah. But anyway. We're going to. Oh, so last week we split it in two groups. Like, we had two separate framing crews. Had some guys working in Sterling and some guys working on another project out north of Nickerson. And which was uh, a little different, you know, because I wasn't. With everybody all at once. But it was no different than what I did at Hood Construction with the crews. Um, but on Monday, we had our first framing inspection done. And so we're going to go in and look at what he wrote down. And we're going to go talk about, okay, like, how can we do this better? You know? And not necessarily um, just with uh, um, with framing. Um, obviously they'll inspect siding and stuff later on too, but we, uh, um, just want to go over everything we've done so far and say, Hey, okay. In this step, like to this point in the project, what are things that we've done good? What are things that we've done bad? What are things that we could tweak a little bit? What things went good? You know, just try to have that open line of communication and figure out which ways, what things we need to change to do better and. Like keep doing and that kind of stuff, which I think it's important to go over that with the whole team, you know, and get their input on it too, so that they understand. So, so that they are like taking ownership in that, you know. Well, I mean, I think it's interesting because, you know, something like that, like all year guys, they're not like twenty year veterans at framing. Mm-hmm. I mean, how do those guys get to where they were? You know, twenty-year guys. How do they get to that level of experience? Well, they experience some of the things you're experiencing and then fix it yeah. and do better. That's the exciting so. part for me right now. Is like we're like the worst we're ever going to be. <laughs> you know, you know that's that's the way I look uh, at. It. That's not saying that Lux is bad. Just throwing that out there. Yeah, they do no. quality work. <laughs> it, well, it's just like you're I'm, saying we're constantly growing. Yes, it's like we're the. It's like we're always going to be getting better at what we do. And whether that's more efficient, like getting it done faster or finding a new way to do it that's stronger, you know, like we're building homes to code and like doing quality work, but it's only going to get better from here. Basically, is yeah. what I'm saying. Yeah. Because that well, didn't sound bad. <laughs> time is. Time is. Well, I got, I got what you meant, but yeah. just to be sure. Um, the, uh, well, that, that thing, that's the interesting part is, um, <clears throat> You know, because time is money. I think at this point, 
your time is probably, and most people that are professionals, time is your most valuable asset because, I mean, at the end of the day, there's always more money, right? There's always more jobs. Mm-hmm. Uh, unless, of course, you know, the economy tanks itself. There's always more, like, materials to be had. So, like, you screw up a truss, you order a new one, right? Yep. But there's only 24 hours in a day. Yep. Like, I can't make more of that. I can't take it away. You know, that is the one constant that I cannot change. Unless you're traveling at the speed of light, and then that's re- the speed is relative to how fast you're going. So. Yeah, I don't think that's... Uh... <laughs> if your guys travel at the speed of light, they get a lot of the work done very quickly. Hey, we're building houses that fast. <laughs> <laughs> well... Uh, super side, super geeky side note. Do you know that like when you get on an airplane, you're actually experiencing time faster than the people or in a slower technically than the people on the ground because you're traveling, you know, you're traveling like three or 400 miles an hour and they're they're not. So for instance, if you were going by you and I at the speed of light, we would be moving exceptionally slow. Mm -hmm. So there, they, when you go through time or when you go that fast, everything else is slow. Theory of relativity. Einstein, anything? You have such a confused look on your face right now. <laughs> Sorry, I just... Do I have steam coming out of my ears, too? Time, or smoke? <laughs> they call that time dilation. I was thinking too hard. Time dilation. Yeah. Um. So, man, we, we basically talked about almost nothing, and we're almost done. Yeah. I just want to mention real quick, I finished up a alert active shooter instructor, which is advanced law enforcement emergency response training, maybe? A-L-E... Our, our rapid response training. Um, and so it's cool because I can train instructors now, so I can make new instructors, but I can also train street officers. But the thing that's cool about this training is, um, it's federally funded. Uh, Texas State University is the one that came up with it. And, uh, FBI basically endorsed it after, uh, Parkland? No, Newtown, Newtown, Newtown. And, started giving it federal funding. So the cool thing is as an instructor, I set the class up online and then like 20 G's or more worth of equipment shows up in the mail for me to conduct this training. Everything from the PowerPoint or excuse me, from the laptop with everything you need on it, PowerPoint, etc., extension cords, projector, all the way up to tourniquets, uh, what we call blue guns. They're the like plastic training guns that you mm-hmm. put that they don't fire. They just fit in your holster and they, they fit in your hand like a real gun. Yeah. <clears throat> um, all the way up to the simunitions guns, which are basically paint bullets, soap rounds that we then shoot at each other, which is exceptionally expensive equipment. Very expensive, uh, especially the ammo. The ammo is so expensive because they're paint marker rounds and they're primer fired and they come out hot. Like, for instance, look at this. See that right there? Yeah. I took a shot point blank range from a guy. Ouch. At the training. So I was like, son of a bitch. Because it should I bet it was hurt. A f- fun training, though. Uh, it was fun, but it was exhausting. Like, yeah. I was mentally and physically spent. We, they ran our asses off. I mean, we were like 8.30 in the morning to 2.30 in the afternoon doing scenarios and like running and all kinds of stuff and confusion and testing and are you doing that? You know, I mean, the, all, all the stuff that an, an active shooter event would be. And I hate the word active shooter, but I'm using it here because recently I got told by somebody that when I say killer, you know, active killer or whatever, like, and I hashtag killer, like, it makes it look like I'm a killer. Like, I'm the law enforcement officer. I'm like, hashtag killer. Like, I'm going out to kill people. And I'm like, okay, you know, I can see it through that lens. You make sense there. But um, I still don't like the terminology. Uh, But just like an active shooter event would be very chaotic. Mm Mm-hmm. 
but they spent a lot of time, like I'm not going to talk about the tactics here just because I'm not going to give intel to anybody that would wish harm on any community about what we do and how we respond. But the thing that they focused on that I really liked that we need to get better on as law enforcement officers is incident command. So once the shooter's down, right, and we no longer have... So the priority of life model that Alert teaches is stop the killing, stop the dying, and then rapid evac. So stop the killing, you know, put down the person or arrest the person that is killing people. Mm -hmm. Stop the dying, meaning you have people that are hurt, get them medical attention, which EMS and fire are not coming into your that building. So it's on you as a cop to figure that out, as well as holding security, keeping people there, all these other things. And then rapid evac. So... Again, EMS is not coming in, so do we have to transport people in our own patrol cars to the hospital or a couple miles down the street to the ambulance or to a, a CCP, casualty collection point? You know, and then <clears throat> we also went through IEDs, um, which I didn't know this. Did you know at Columbine, there were over 95 explosive devices in that building? 95. Wow. Yeah. And some of them were the little crickets. I mean, enough to, you know, maim you. I mean, kill you if it hit the right place, but definitely maim you. Yeah. Um, as well as the two huge propane bombs that they put in the cafeteria that for whatever reason didn't go off. But so, I mean, IEDs are an ever-present threat. So we have to – so we went through all that incident command of, like, command of the room, command of a hallway, command outside the building that helps bring resources into the building – you know, staging command, meaning you're, you're going to have everybody and their dog show up, right? Well, where are we going to put them all? Yeah. We can't, like, say say the grade school in Sterling, Kansas. Could you imagine 300 cop cars around there? You, you, you would never get EMS to them. You wouldn't get fire to them. You know, nobody would be able to get in that area. Yeah. So, you know, where are we going to stage them? Like, where are we going to put all of this stuff that's showing up? Which I was sitting there thinking to myself in Sterling. I'm like, okay. <laughs> Where's a good place to stage like that many vehicles? You know, at the academy, like that's easy, right? They've got a huge EVOC course out there, miles of cement. Yeah. You could literally stage at the EVOC course at the academy. Not hard. Plenty of places to put things. And I'm like, but where do you put that much stuff in Sterling? <laughs> I was really struggling with a place in my mind because it doesn't have the staging area. It doesn't have to be like right next door. You know, it could be a mile or two away. Yeah. So you're likely looking at something like, you know, if, if, uh, you know, like if, if like say Gonzada starts building and they've got like the dirt work done or something, you know, and you got a flat piece, like you could stage there, yeah. you know, or that, uh, first in Cleveland there where they're getting ready to put all the housing development in, yeah. you know, there are field accesses there. You probably wouldn't want to put fire trucks in there, but you know, you could at least stage some stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, but you know, th there's, there's things you can do places you could go. Um, like right there across from Dairyland. What, Caddy Corner? Yeah. Oh, or you mean over there by Al Cruz's house to the south? Yeah. Yeah, that's not a bad place. Um, big, I mean, both sides of the road there are big and open. Well, and plus you got that big lot of Al Cruz's as well. Because a time like that, like, that is within reason where, as a government official, I can be like, hey, this is mine. Like, I, I own it right now. Sorry. Like... You can sue me for damages later. We'll probably settle in court and you'll make more money than what it took to fix this. But at the present moment, it's mine. You know, like, it, sorry, it's just the way it is. Well, most people will be understanding that situation, yeah. I feel like. Yeah. Um, but anyway, so a lot of things to think about there that I hadn't considered. But I'm really looking forward to doing some training. There are some schools in the community that we 
really haven't been in a lot. I shouldn't say the community, but in Rice County that we haven't been in a lot as law enforcement training. So mm-hmm. that's my, I was hitting up Rob Ross about doing some training, one of the schools he works in and just, you know, getting that set up and getting people into those schools. So they kind of get the layout of it, have been there before and heaven forbid something were to happen. They kind of know where to go, what to do. Yeah. So anyway, that's been my week and I was a men- mentally spent. Like I was so, so mentally and physically drained. I slept really good each day, <laughs> each day. That's the best. Yeah. So anything else, man? Nothing for me. Cool. Well, we thank you. Thank for you. <laughs> thank you guys for taking. <laughs> I hate you right now. <laughs> uh, no, don't take that out. Dude, that's getting taken out. <laughs> dude, I'm sorry. All right. Hey, thanks for taking the time to listen to the Higher Points Podcast. Don't forget to check us out on Facebook at the Higher Points Podcast, on Instagram uh, at the Higher Points, and on our website, www.thehigherpoints.com. Uh, don't forget we're renting out the podcast studio. And, and I got to thinking, even if you wanted to like record music, like you're a musician, this is a great space for mm-hmm. that as well. You know, our mixer has a one, two, three, four line ins, so you can put uh, four different devices into this and record. So, um, we kind of came up with 50 bucks for three hours, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. 50 bucks for three hours. And that's a three hour minimum. So you have to be in the studio for that three hours. Cause we're going to have to come over here and like kind of help you at first or whatever. Um, and then we can kind of discuss things from there, but so don't forget we're doing that. Please continue to like share and, uh, just continue putting the word out there. Again, we're just humbled that you choose to join us each week and we'll catch up with you guys next week. Bye guys. Have a good week. Bye.